0: And thank you for listening to the 6570 Family Project Podcast. This is a passion project I have to bring you insight and tactical advice that you can take and run with today from myself and a very talented and genuine group of guests brought together to help you take your family experience from good to great and build that foundation of confidence and respect and wisdom that every parent wants to see their child master before they ever leave home. What I really love though is connecting with you and giving you a space to connect with each other, which is exactly why the Family Architects Club exists. This private parents club is designed for every parent going through the sixty-five seventy those 6,570 days of the parenthood childhood dynamic, which is where your most influential and most impactful window exists as a parent. And this community supports it guides it laughs it builds together to help you in the greatest project that you will ever have as a parent. That being the 6570 Family Project. So I invite you to come on into this club, get to know people, and see what is waiting for you, including a free members only gift that you will love and use over and over and over again as a parent. So I can't wait to see you there. And you can just go to nellieharden.com slash community. Again, that's nellieharden.com slash community to get connected and get your free members only gift. So I will see you there. Hello and welcome to the 6570 Family Project Podcast. If you are a parent of a tween, teen, or somewhere on the way, this is exactly the place for you. This is the playground for parents who want to raise their kids with intention, strength, and joy come and hear all the discussions, get all the tactics and have lots of laughs along the way. We will dive into the real challenges in raising kids today, how to show up as parents and teach your kids how to show up as members of the family and individuals of the world. My name is Nellie Hardin, big city girl turned small town, sip and iced tea on the front porch mama who loves igniting transformation in the hearts and minds of families by helping them build self-led discipline and leadership that elevates the family experience and sets the kids up with a rock solid foundation they can launch their life on all before they ever leave home. This is the 6570 Family Project, let's go. Hello everyone, welcome back to another episode of the 6570 Family Project podcast. You guys, I have a wonderful guest on today, and we are going to talk about play. Roya Dedoe is a licensed marriage and family therapist, and she focuses on parenting and play. She has a bachelor's degree in recs and a master's degree in counseling from California State University, Long Beach. Been there. It is gorgeous. You guys, I had such a great time in this interview because I feel like play is such a great playground, pun intended, for curiosity and validation and problem solving and getting in there and just exploring, right? Going on adventures, even if you don't leave your home, which right now in our wake of pandemic who knows you know when this is going to fully alleviate and sometimes we need to be able to use our minds to go on adventures even when we're just sitting still so whether that's imaginative play whether that means you are playing Candyland for the 19 millionth time or you have a tween or teen in the house and you are talking and playing with them on some video games or you are playing uh, some different kinds of more adulty uh board games with them maybe you like us are doing escape rooms there's we love going to escape rooms and right now you just can't get to them all that often but thanks to my sister getting us a christmas gift of one uh, last year we were able to do an escape room at home they're so fun and we love doing them as a family and having that that's a perfect example of problem solving and remember when we are in the 6570, we are building with truth and trust, we are building this uh, foundation with our kids so that they can leave home with confidence and respect and wisdom. In their DNA, so they can go off and just rule life and have a wonderful experience with whatever comes their way. Their unique greatness, they can use that. And that's what we're doing in the 6570 and having a great time doing it. So listen in. Let's go ahead and get started with this interview with Roya. You are going to love it. Hello everyone. Okay. You guys, I have been talking to you about the awesomeness of Roya here and I cannot wait to bring her on. And first I just want to welcome you to the podcast today.
1: Thank you. I'm so excited. All the things we're going to talk about are my favorite things to talk about. (laughs) Oh, me too. Me too.
0: I'm so excited as well. And we were talking and chatting beforehand and we are definitely both cut from the same cloth. Um, And this is going to be a fun conversation today, but also a very impactful conversation. So warm up your cheeks for some laughs and uh, and also warm up your mind for some great info that you are going to be getting today, you guys. So I know I are told you all about who she is and where, um, what she has uh, been able to do and contribute to this wonderful world of families. Uh, but I to know from you kind of your story right because so many of us have this weird convoluted path that gets us to where we are and how we are contributing to the world and I find them so fascinating because I know mine you know mine involves humpback whales and you're like how does humpback whales involve you know so it's just all crazy and I want to know tell us a bit about your convoluted and fantastic story to get where you are today.
1: Oh, I love that. Um, I was actually thinking mine involves kangaroo rats, but that's a whole other uh, whole other story. Um, so I, <laughs> my parents pulled me out of public school um, after fourth grade. So I never went back to public school after that. And I was furious. I was about to be a fifth grader. I was going to get a locker the next year. I was so excited. And my parents, uh, it's, that's a podcast all by itself. But basically, they were seeing our love of learning and our curiosity, getting made fun of by other mm-hmm. classmates and just kind of getting stomped out. This is where the kangaroo rat comes in. I wanted to be a marine <laughs> biologist. They made me study that little dinky desert animal. And I was furious. And that's the whole thing. So, <laughs> um, so they pulled us out of school, my sisters and I. And um, then I started taking community college classes a few years later and was able to dive into ceramics and theater. I was in a Shakespeare group. I basically lived at the ceramic studio. I got to take English classes and then a teacher actually read what I wrote and talked to me about it, it was so exciting. And um, basically they just gave us all this incredible time to pursue what we were interested in. And so my life consisted of diving full body into to whatever I was interested in for like a month at a time, except for the things that were like 10 years at a time, but I was just, I was into this and I was into that and I was into this and I couldn't have done it if I was busy. And I, at some point wanted to get a degree and couldn't figure out what on earth that was going to be because I couldn't commit to any one particular, you know, topic or interest. And it was actually my mom who said, "You know, there is this degree called Recreation and Leisure Studies," and I basically pursued it as the route to be able to keep all my options open and to mm. keep getting to dive from thing to thing to thing. Um, so I got a degree in Rec and Leisure. I was homeschooled. We were actually unschooled, which is a whole again another another podcast. But basically, my entire life was about the important adults helping support me with what my passions were, and mm. so I, I thought I was doing all this to get to an art camp. art therapy camp at some point and i found myself in private practice um loving it and then i kept getting drawn to the people who like weren't quite fitting the mold of school and maybe they had a diagnosis that didn't really help them sit still in a classroom i had the rec and leisure background with certificate in outdoor recreation um so all of these things i mean really if I turn around and look backwards, right. It, that the path makes sense. The things that I did where I am now, it makes total sense. Could not have predicted. I'd be a therapist in a private practice, not what I thought I was going to (laughs) be. But, but everything just comes down to the importance and power of play and parents supporting their kids on that and how it impacts us on every single level, relationship, mental health, all the things. So that's my super fast story.
0: (laughs) Oh, I love it. And I could not agree more about play and what it does. I mean, my husband and I are self-professed kids, you know, we're just 40 something year old kids, you know, and I hope I'm like that until I'm 120, because that's the age that my husband and I say we're going to live to and we're sticking to it. So, um, (laughs) but you know, my goal, even when, so I worked in still doing discipline studies with families, but I worked in the wellness field for a long time. And my goal was always to help families be able to play with their grandkids and their great grandkids if possible. And that was always the vision I had in my head. It was always these grandparents and great grandparents uh, playing, running around on a beach with their grandkids or great grandkids. Um, And I find it interesting that that lightness, that play, that fun, that laughter. I mean, big belly laughs are like a requirement in our house every day. When we get through a day without a big belly laugh, like something's going on, you know, And, um, and, and just playing and, and being goofy and dance parties and voices, you know, all the crazy, but there was definitely a point in my life that I was, I shied away from that because I didn't grow up necessarily with that as a basic nature in my family. And it took me a long time to give myself permission to do that for myself and for my kids. And, I, I too, when I, when I put my kids into homeschooling, um, my oldest was going into fifth grade and I loved, you know, uh, I think you were mentioning that your creativity was kind of being diluted and and pushed down a bit, which is why they, um, took you out. And I could definitely see that with my kids, which was one of our reasons too. So I just wanted to resonate with you on that high five, uh, you know, through the screen for that. Um, but so with all that being said, You wrote that as a grown homeschooler, you conducted the largest study related to mental health and homeschooling in the United States. And I'm really interested about this. And may I preface this with saying that I, even though I do homeschool, I don't think that homeschool is the be all end all and everyone should or frankly can um, do it. But it is an option for some people. But even if you don't homeschool, play is at the top of the list, right? Right. So I want you to tell me about this study, like what did it involve? What did it look like? What did you get from it? And then how did you use that information to, you know, extrapolate information and and do what you do now?
1: So I, it was part of my master's thesis um, and you had the choice in my department if you wanted to take a set of comprehensive exams or if you want to do a thesis and our in our whole cohort I think four of us decided to do the year-long thesis um so we we got tight <laughs> and so I I knew I knew I wanted to study homeschoolers on some level because there really aren't that many studies and so when people come to me and they say things like yes but have you seen all the the damage that video games can do or all the you know when, when I let my kids watch too much screens all this One of the big issues is that those studies are being done on kids whose entire time is being controlled one way or another. They don't have a lot of free time. And so those studies don't really apply to homeschoolers who, yes, if if you only have a half an hour a day that's yours and you're spending it playing a game, that will impact you differently than if you have your entire day where you have agency and control and you choose to spend four of those hours playing Minecraft, right? It's it's going to impact you differently. So I knew I wanted to do some studies um, because I was in therapy school. I chose to study homeschoolers' attitudes towards seeking therapy Mm. because one of the barriers that I see over and over again for homeschooling families is there's other stuff happening like just because you're a homeschooling family doesn't mean uh, there aren't other family dynamics there's not anxiety or depression or you have the need to reparent or maybe some actual trauma coming from your school experience and that's why you're homeschooling and so many of the families that I've now worked with told me that they um, couldn't seek therapy because the therapist didn't understand homeschooling and so their entire they'd come to them and say, like, look, here's this complex list of issues that I have. And the therapist would say, we'll put your kids in school, that'll solve it. Hmm. And so I was assuming that homeschoolers would have a lower um, tendency to seek out mental health resources, even though homeschooling demographics otherwise are in the category of people who are higher in seeking out mental health resources, um, economically and educational wise and stuff like that. So but then since I was gonna do a measurement anyway, I was like, well, why does, might as well do five. <laughs> and so I didn't only study um, their attitude towards seeking mental health, but I also studied happiness. Um, and I really wish I could remember the names of all the measurement tools I used, but I looked at happiness. I looked at state and trait anxiety. I looked at um, homeschooling myths and the demographics so that I could talk about that as well. I also looked at um, value distribution. And I compared homeschoolers, I compared unschoolers and I compared the general population of these particular measurement tools. Um, and so it was fascinating. I had, I don't know, something like 40 different hypotheses that I went through. It was a very, wow. I have a book. I, have a, I mean, I have a book, but I. <laughs> uh, my My biggest takeaway was that Oh, and I was looking at specifically grown homeschoolers, and um, so people over the age of 18 who had been homeschooled or unschooled, and I was looking at parents who were doing the homeschooling. And so I also separated those numbers out to look at. And I think I got somebody from every state except two, I want to say, if I'm remembering correctly. I I got thousands of participants, it was wonderful. So any case, my main takeaway is that homeschoolers are every bit as happy as the general population. There is no shocking mental health disparity in terms of anxiety or depression. We are not um, crazier than that of the normal, the general population, the mainstream. Um, And adults who homeschool are statistically significantly happier. Hmm. And uh, we also rank our values differently. And the one that I remember standing out the most is that curiosity values very, very highly in homeschooling, in the homeschooling population in that sample. Um, And I think we talk about play as being so important. But I think that if I look at play as the the solution for all the, the things that need solutions in our world, the reason why play is so important and playfulness is because it sets a foundation for things like curiosity and creativity, divergent thinking, teamwork, problem solving, being able to look at one thing from a lot of different angles. It's the place where those characteristics are celebrated and nurtured and give us the place to do that. And so I think play by itself, is important, and it's lighthearted, like you said, and it's fun and spontaneous. But I don't think we should ignore the fact that it has incredibly hard-hitting, heavy, impactful results, like all of those characteristics. And I think that's why we measured happier.
0: Yeah, um, when you're saying that, like diversity comes into mind too, because when you're playing, you're usually talking about all sorts of fantastical created creatures. When my kids were little, I remember we used to, and it probably comes because I overwatched bed knobs and broomsticks when I was a kid, but um, so we would all get on a bed and we would go travel to a magical place called Aurelia. And, uh, and along the way there was water and there would be like wolf sharks that would walk out and greet us. And there would be all of these things, you know, and we, we were a part as humans, we were the only humans there. Right. And there was all of this diversity of creatures. And I think that's one of the lasting effects that can happen with play too. And so a couple of things I'm curious about real quick for our listeners. Can you quickly, because it's come up just a couple of times, uh, define unschooling versus homeschooling?
1: Sure. Um, oh, there's, I mean, there's pages and pages and pages of people talking about the difference, but for yes. me, homeschooling, the big umbrella, and there's a lot of different ways to homeschool, mm-hmm. um, And so for some people that might look like mimicking school at home with curriculum, you sit at a table for a certain amount of time a day, parent acts as teacher. Um, That's one end of the spectrum. And then all the way on the other end of the spectrum is unschooling where parents are absolutely engaged. They're watching their kids, they're paying attention, but they're letting their kids interests and their kids' passions lead the charge and so but it's still it's not just like oh you're interested in the ocean let's now do a unit study about whales it's um it's more philosophical than that in terms of like not talking about subjects not testing not dividing things um kind of arbitrarily based on like oh is this math or social studies or history but just that like we learn from life and we learn as things come up we learn what we need to learn when it comes up, and the parent's job is to pay really good attention to support them in those things and kind of strew stuff in their path and um, help provide resources and um, just really like it's it's to me hyper engaged with the kid at the helm in that way. So, yeah, yeah. Again, that's that's very brief. There's again pages and pages of people talking about the philosophical <laughs> differences of that.
0: Yeah, and. So I, um, I love teaching and so I operate at that one end of the spectrum. I literally for two and a half hours a day, stand in front of a whiteboard and we teach and I have a, uh, degree in, um, biology, psychology. And so I, and I love history. So I love, you know, teaching history and learning about geography because quite frankly, I, my husband and I are, are public school kids through and through, I could not, I, you know, if, if you would have asked me where Minnesota was probably eight years ago, I'd have been somewhere in the middle. I don't know, you know, and so, but teaching my kids, I've been able to learn so much and we have so much fun doing it, but that is how we do things. And I really appreciate that flexibility with homeschooling. I know a friend of mine that taught an entire year, every subject, you know, from science to math and all of that, but what they learned about all year was skateboarding. And mm-hmm. everything was just learned through skateboarding, the physics of skateboarding. Right. And like you're saying, they, it wasn't like to right now we're learning about math right now. We're learning about this. Right. And so um, we do a hybrid in our school where in the mornings I do some stuff. And then in the afternoons, they have their independent time to do like two, three hours of whatever they're doing. And so. It, it has worked for us for seven years um, and it's been great. Uh, but anyway, I digress. And I, I think being able to play um, is one of the most important things that we can have in there during and outside of school. But the whole point is that school doesn't fit in the parameters of this time to this time, right? Um, I was just talking with someone earlier today where they were talking about, some of the biggest drivers of academic success. So we're talking about school success in later. So college, uh, you know, grad programs and things like that um, actually had to do with the mindset of curiosity and education oh. and not to do with if they got an A in pre-calc in, you know, 11th grade or not, you know,
1: grading can take so far away from the intrinsic drive to learn more. It's, yes. it's, it's, a- Direct detriment to it, in fact, often, which is why I I think I mean, I was a college teacher or professor until I went on maternity leave this year. Um, (laughs) but many of the students that I think actually learned the most were my B and C students who weren't maybe so worried about the grade and actually like dove in and retain the information as opposed to the students who were driven by the grade. I think that's one of the damages that the school can do is take away our innate curiosity and replace it with trying to achieve something extrinsically rewarding.
0: Absolutely. I was never an all A student like when I was in school and I was an AB student, um, but All my friends went off to, based on their GPAs and their SATs and all of that, they went off to these Ivy Leagues, right? And I was like, I I went to Indiana University, which was a great school and I had a great time. And I had, again, ABs when I graduated, um, which is not bad. Like to be an AB student, I think I had um, maybe a 3.2 GPA, 3.2, 3.3, you know, that is not bad by any means, but I felt bad. I felt like I was not good enough. I wasn't a good student that academia wasn't my thing because I didn't get, you know, the super high scores on the SATs and go to an Ivy league school. And so it really did affect, you know, who I labeled myself as, as my, Identity in my wisdom, even though academic wisdom is such a small part of wisdom, it made me identify myself as not being smart, which back then I was congruent with wisdom.
1: Yeah. And this is, I mean, this is the, I mean, I say this during a medical pandemic, but this is also a pandemic, I think, that we experience with our school systems the way they are, is that. And why again, playfulness and, and play is so important because you we don't learn things when we're not ready for them. We just don't. <laughs> we either get resentful, angry, we internalize it, right? As I'm dumb or I'm stupid or I'm not good enough at it. We just don't learn it. And so if we get forced a standard menu of like, you're supposed to be able to do this at this week, right? And on this date, you're supposed to be, you're this age, you're supposed to be able to do this thing. And it and we happen to be one of the people who we don't fit exactly in that little standard deviation curve then it, it backfires it does the opposite of it educates us right it, it teaches us negative things about ourselves or it causes us distress or anxiety so then we when we are ready we don't pursue that because we already got the message that we aren't good at that thing or we shouldn't even try and so the wonderful thing about play again is that all those things that we say are important for kids to be exposed to or to learn and that we want for them if we can do it either just in a playful way but even that is, is sometimes forced from the adult coming from above right but but if we pay attention to what kids are playing that is the platform where we can learn those things we can learn mathematical thinking and skills we learn language that is how we learn language i have a one-year-old you know how she's learning how to talk because we're playing silly games it's the neural pathways for linguistic development happen through play Mm -hmm. so do the neural pathways for hopefulness and resiliency and optimism and spatial reasoning and logic and like they happen through play it's not separate from learning so this is my soapbox (laughs) (laughs) so i have a
0: quick question for you that's a total personal question of mine Uh so Put on your therapist hat. I'd love to know the answer to this. So uh, when I was younger, I love to play with Barbies with my cousins, with my friends and everything. As an adult, I despise playing Barbies. I really do. And when my kids tried to, you know, play them with me, I would be, you know, I would like grin and bear it for a little while. And then I'm like, you know, I think your sister just really wants to play this with you because I, I, I almost felt allergic to playing with Barbies and doing all of this role play stuff, but I don't know if it was the content of the material or what. And the same goes for board games. I cannot stand some board games. Now I love to play games like, and we do, um, we do a lot of escape rooms in our family. They have them online that you can do at home now. Like they do a lot of these things, but some of these board games, I, I just cannot handle it. So you tell me what's going on with me.
1: (laughs) Well, there is such a thing as burnout, number one. Okay. Um, also, games are really good. Like we don't have to just play Monopoly over and over again because yes. when you you search tabletop game into Google, you will find incredible, amazing, just games are good. And they're accessible to everybody now. And so it's okay to not wanna play the same thing over and over and over again. I will say when I have parents, you are not the only parent to come to me and be like, okay, I know that play is good and I hate it. Please tell me, please help me. Um, we are different kinds of people. I have to admit, I am not great at the make-believe play. Like that's my, like really, child. Are we playing? We're playing the veterinarian again. <laughs> for How many hours? Okay. So, big thing is to think about. Like, I don't want to. I don't want to pass that on to my kid, right? So, I have to do the work. I have to pay attention to that. I have to minimize my groaning and moaning as much as possible. Yes. And if that's the kind of play they want to do, I don't have to be the only person. It's hard during COVID times, but part of my job is not to just be everything for my kid, but to set them up for it. If I don't want to play that level of, you know, say they're super into, I don't know, Pokemon, right? And you just, that is not your jam. You can't stand it, whatever. There are Pokemon groups out there. You know, it is your job to support them in that pursuit, but you don't have to be the person playing over and over forever and ever um you do have to be the person though to not speak badly about pokemon and to not say their interest is dumb or it's a waste of time right absolutely but put in 14 hours a day of <laughs> a day.
0: okay well thank you for making me feel better about that and you know so the same goes for muppets you know i was a muppet kid i'm a child of the 80s and now i just cannot stand them and my kids find it so funny cuz they think i'm afraid of them i'm like I am not afraid of the Muppets. I'm just Muppeted out, and it happened, you know, about 20 years ago, and I just can't take it anymore. Like I did, Muppets Take Manhattan, Muppets do this, Muppets do that. I'm like I can't take the Muppets anymore. But um, I mean, love Jim Henson, lo- love all the all the stuff, you know, that he created and uh, gave me entertainment in my childhood. But man, I just cannot. <laughs> yeah,
1: that's, that's all right. There's lots. There's so many. (laughs) Yeah.
0: But they really, they really get a kick out of it because when it comes on, I'm like, oh gosh. And they're like, oh, look, mom's reacting to the Muppets. Oh my gosh. So, okay. I want to talk about your book because I think that this incredible um, book that you put out there is such a treasure. So it's, uh, was your first first book connect uh, with courage and it was subtitled practical ways to work through fear and find joy in the places your kids take you, which I find fascinating because I tell you that my kids, my, you know, my four kids, they have taken me to some places. I never thought I would go emotionally, mentally, sometimes even physically, you know, and so, uh, and some of them have been fraught with fear and it's not like you can return them or put them back in, you know, you got to deal with it. You got to keep going. And so tell me more about this book and your central message with it.
1: So this book started because I was working with a client on these things that come up for my clients and I, because this is my focus, right? Uh, Over and over again. And I was putting together just kind of an exercise sheet, Um, like just kind of what we were talking about right now. They're saying my kid loves this thing. And I'm saying you have to do, you have to look at that thing they love and you have to come up with 15 reasons why they might love it. Like this is your job to do. And so I was putting together just a little worksheet for them and, um, you know, come up with five physical benefits, come up with five emotional benefits, come up with five, you know, social benefits. And I looked up like 80 pages later and um, I, and it was a workbook to start. And it mm-hmm. was something that I, I was handing out to people in terms of just helping them with their connection with their kid. Because what I kept seeing over and over again was they'd say, we're having struggles in our household here, have my child as a client their child would come in and be like, guess what? I'm the leading expert on this TV show. Or guess what? I'm super into this game. And I'd be like, that is super rad. Tell me about it. And we had a great relationship. Mm-hmm. And then what I was saying to parents where their parents were saying, that's a dumb interest, or I'm going to take it away as punishment. Or yeah, yeah, yeah. I know you kind of like that card game thing. And the kids would just wither. And every time the parent would do that, it was like they were slamming another door when it could have been a bridge. And so over and over again, I was just seeing this opportunity for connection, for a better relationship, just kind of blocked off. And sometimes in really big, dramatic, painful ways, but more often in like really just small, like one little brick at a time, you know? Um, But those bricks add up to a a really big wall over time. And when you don't have that kind of relationship, that open door bridge with your parents, then later on, when it's a big deal, when it's a safety issue, or when it's a, you know, I need you to come pick me up at this party because I don't feel safe kind of a thing. Those were the the relationships that then the, the kids were less safe or less successful. And I was seeing it start so young at come play this game with me or let yeah. me this whole thing, right? And so that was my goal was to help parents with those moments and so Mm -hmm. as I started paying a little bit more clinical attention to it I started to hear the same reasons why parents were struggling with it even the parents who really wanted to even the parents who saw the benefit and I started seeing them in two categories there were the logistical barriers like okay cool I want to but I've got five kids or this is the house we have they can't turn the dining room into their own personal art studio um or we just don't have the money for it i was seeing the logistical pieces and then i was also seeing the emotional barriers the i'm a pacifist and all my kid wants to do is shoot nerf guns or um i you know they're really into this video game and it's super adult and violent and i can't stand it so the things that would really trigger people's fear yeah So this book is basically divided into those barriers, the logistical and the emotional ones. And then it's got some very practical, helpful solutions, but it also has those original exercises in it to help the parents do their own work, to figure out why does that thing bother me? What am I afraid of? How could I view this differently? Um, So that they have better relationships with their kids and not just like tolerable relationships with the thing, but actually find that joy, be delighted in I'm gonna use your Muppets as an example here. You know, uh, be delighted in puppetry, <laughs> be delighted yes. in, you know, and I've, I've watched some parents um, go from being truly phobic of something to I'm thinking of one in particular um, where it was horseback riding and they wouldn't even go near to getting on horses and riding and having going horse camping and like amazing times with their kid mm. because they did that work. So that's, that's the book.
0: (laughs) So I find that interesting. And this is the reason I, I get a lot of people ask me, you know, why are you a, not a parenting coach, but you say you're a family, you know, life and leadership coach, because it is the whole family that needs to come together. And a lot of times it is not necessarily the work that the kid needs to do. Although there's always that too, but a family is a team and A lot of times it's the work that the parent needs to do. And I have had more self-growth as a parent than I have in any other area. And not just in the way of I've had self-growth because I've had to manage a lot. You know, there is that piece too, right? As a parent, you know, I I think parents are the greatest, you know, business owners and uh, (laughs) the greatest uh, strategists because we can juggle 90 million things at the same time. But further than that, it's that reflection of, hold on, this is where I want my, you know, I want to build my child to, this is what I want them to take out of their childhood. What do I need to do in myself in order to be the person that can teach them that thing? Right. And there's a lot of work that can happen with that sometimes based on our own childhoods and what we have, you know, our luggage uh, air quotes that we are bringing into parenting. And what are we bringing into parenting that we actually kind of don't want to bring in? Um, And we have to be able to recognize that and do something about it. And so, yeah, that's that's fantastic. I love that. Um, So go get the book. All the listeners go get the book. So good. Um, okay. And lastly, before we leave, um, uh, Roy and I, we both speak TV. And by that, <laughs> we we can shoot out these, you know, I just related to that. I, again, 80s kid, I grew up with a lot of TV. I love TV and movies. Um, and especially during the pandemic, so many people have been watching a lot of TV. And as parents, we're trying to build that truth and trust with our kids all the time, right? Which goes back to everything that we've said in this episode um, so far. And we want to see that in our TV, our, our, uh, TV episodes too. And And what I mean by that is I notice when my kids were little, and even now uh, my kids are 16, 14, 14, 12 now. And even now, if we're watching a show or they're watching a show where there is not a great relationship between the parents and the kid, then they start mimicking that, right? Because kids are active learners. They, They don't just um, learn something, uh, either passively or, or actively, but they, uh, and they don't just learn it and leave it right. Or learn it and decide they're learning it and they're trying it out all at the same time. And so I noticed that if we're watching a show like that, then there's some of these like false aggressions or false, um, spaces that are coming between us. And I'm like, well, well, whoa, well, well, where is this coming from? Right. Where where are you learning this from? What are you trying to get from this? Right. Um, and so it's just really interesting, but I would love to know, I, with people in this, you know, pandemic era that we have uh, now fallen into, um, that some people say, Oh, I've watched Netflix, right? I haven't just watched something on Netflix. I've like watched Netflix or I've watched Disney plus I've watched, you know, I don't know, Apple TV, which seems crazy. But when you're watching TV for two and a half years or two years, whatever, you know, people could do that. And so I'm curious, what are some of your favorite shows that you've watched as a family that has not only been entertaining, but also grown um, maybe the play or maybe the
1: curiosity, maybe
0: the relationship. So I'm curious.
1: Okay. I'm writing things down really quickly so I can remember it's, this is cracking me <laughs> up because right now downstairs on our kitchen door, we started talking, we've, you know, we've been watching Encanto five, oh, yes. five times a day. Yes. And um, my kids have so my kids are young and this might shock some people, but they're uh, about to be eight and about to be five. And then I have an about to be one year old um, and they've discovered the Simpsons. And it's mm. hysterical. I'm like, I haven't watched this since I was 25, but all right, here we go. And so right now there's a Venn diagram of Encanto and the Simpsons on our, um, our wall downstairs because they started talking about like, oh, and they're both families and oh, they're cartoons. And you know, there are some people who are kind of mean in both of them and we just started comparing them. So we threw it up on the wall. Um, I love so, that. I, it's funny. So you have kids that are, they're try, try it honors. It sounds like, right. So if they see something and they kind of want to experiment with that, they they do it. Some of them. Yeah. I, I have, I have one who's very much like that. And one who is the out loud processor. And so the way I handle TV is going to be different with, with my different kids, just because um, they, they do, they try things on really differently, but I have to say, okay, so Shira, the new Shira, uh, is one of our favorite TV shows as a family. It's amazing. Um, it's everything that is right and good in the world. It's phenomenal. <laughs> we love it. Um, it's just fantastic. It I didn't even know there tax. was a new Shira. Oh my it's on Netflix. There's four or five seasons. I can't remember. It's what? Just so good on every level. Oh my goodness. Um, and the I can't remember exactly who is... Uh, who's what but the people who did the lumberjanes comics which are also phenomenal they're the it's the same writer the same artist the same there's some connection there so if you like that it's there's a rabbit hole of goodness that that can take you down um in well, it's not a tv show it's a movie but Encanto is the best thing that happened in the mental health world since inside out um hilda if you've never watched the show hilda we love hilda it's another animated i think it's on netflix um and oh, she's just the quirkiest little adventurer. And it's another show. My kids are very into relationships. So all of these shows, we talk a lot about the friendships and the relationships and the parent-child relationships and all of that. Um, Brooklyn Nine-Nine. I think if you asked my seven-year-old, what is your favorite show? Um, He would say Brooklyn Nine-Nine, quite possibly. (laughs) He loves it. We have a lot of conversations about things in the world. and Survivor we have mm-hmm. as a family watching all 40 gajillion seasons of Survivor <laughs> again together and I think that's um, an
0: accurate assessment
1: it's I think it is it's 40 gajillion <laughs> um and that was one I didn't really watch when it was like coming out 40 gajillion seasons ago but now as a family we're watching and sometimes re-watching and um again it's it's about the challenges but it's the relationships too and then that stemmed into watching um Top Chef because mm seven-year-old is super into cooking and he likes to uh, geography and around the world kind of stuff so he just started getting to the point where real humans on tv are holding his attention and it doesn't have to be cartoon which is a delight um to think of what's uh they, and they really like It's a lot of story arc shows they like um things like elena of Avalor or Sophia, like the kind of long seasons of the same kingdom, um, Lion Guard, what else are we going back and forth? Oh, odd squad is wonderful. we we'll watch odd squad. we watch a lot of TV.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, same, same kind of uh, reason with survivor. Our family really likes amazing race. And so, um, watching that one is, is a lot of fun. And, uh, we, don't know personally but a family that we uh watch closely the holderness family is on uh, the amazing race right now and so we love watching uh watching them and uh, they're, I just love their family. So um, we get to watch them and we feel, we feel like we're watching someone we know, even though they're like, who? <laughs> <to us.
1: laughs> um, one of my, uh, one of my students was on Survivor. And so that was really fun. I actually, I spent a week on a different Island with her cause I, I ran a, or I helped run a class on one of the Channel Islands and she was there. And so getting to watch her, I'm like, Hey, look, we taught her everything. She knows about Island Survivor. <laughs> <laughs> love
0: it. Love it. That's so funny. And I, yeah, I do love the, um, one that we just watched, which I really, really love. We all, we all did was, um, uh, school of chocolate. So it's on Netflix And what I loved about it is it really was a teaching show and they are working and, you know, somewhat competing against one another, but there was never an elimination. They all stayed. And by the end, there was two main people that it was between, but everyone else was on their teams. And so it really was this beautiful um, uh, story arc, kind of what you're saying, uh, of people that were working kind of against one another. And then they started working for one another and it became this team atmosphere. And the guy that ran it was truly a teacher and he came around and helped everybody. It wasn't like a, you know, "Mm, what are you doing? Okay, great. I'll leave you alone for the next 16 hours. And, um, and what they created was beautiful. So anyway, out of all those shows, I really recommend school of chocolate. It was very cool it was very cool. I've been,
1: having, I've been watching project runway uh, a lot forever. Um, and, uh, we've been having a lot of conversations lately about the feelings of, um, you know, getting kicked off and but they're also having to collaborate and they're on a team, but they're not on a team. And it's mimicking. um, My son is doing this basketball thing right now. And he had a moment of confusion because they said partner up, but then it was the defense and the offense. And he's like, but we're not partners, but we're partnered up. And like, it was just this really, I don't know. It was a cool couple of moments there, but I love, okay. I'm going to look at the school chocolate school chocolate. personally, I am a fan of every single Mike sure, you know, the good place, um, the office parks and rec might be the best show ever. Um, <laughs> all of that, that level of show. So my, my kids watch kind of alongside me for lots of it, but
0: yeah, yeah, we watched the good place. That was, that was a good one. I, I, we all watched that as family, but my kids are older, so they, they get a lot more than, um, the little ones, but, Oh my goodness. Well, thank you so much for being here. We covered so much in this talk, but... I think, you know, as we're still laughing at the end, but covering, you know, how to connect, how to have that trust and truth with your kids. So you can get them to a, a level that when it is their turn, it is time to pass over the baton of take, take over your own life now. Right. They have the skills to be able to do that. And that's what we're all about. And I know that's what you're all about too. So thank you so much for being here.
1: thank you. <laughs> having me. Um, Of course. Really, I I Just like I said this is my this is my soapbox I can talk about forever and I also just wanted to mention that in addition to the book which can sometimes feel intimidating for people even though you really can't just open it at any random place I think and get something. I am also doing this new thing where I'm doing 30 minute zoom calls once a month so if people go to my website they can see the next one is parents of teens to help their teens with their big feelings Um, but I'm rotating through age groups and topics. We did a screen time, one, a parenting reset, and they are all donations based. So, um, that I just want to be able to offer that for people who can't come have one-on-one sessions or, or access me that way. So.
0: Oh, wonderful. Thank you so much. And we will put your website down into the show notes, um, for this too. Absolutely. Well, Okay, listeners, we have given you a lot to listen to today, a lot to process, but also some things that you can take literally and uh, start using right away, including some great shows uh, to watch with your family. So we uh, hope that you have a wonderful rest of your day today. And remember, we're always building. And I hope that you are the architect of your own home as we are building the beginning of someone else's life with our kids. Have a wonderful day and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much for listening today. And I hope you were able to take something from our discussion that you can use to build the foundation of self-led leadership in your own family. If you are a parent with children 17 or younger, and especially those around nine and up, I would love to extend an invitation to you to the best club in town. The Family Architects Club is a private club where intentional parents go that want to love, support, connect, or reconnect, and really truly help guide their kids and teach them how to self-lead in discipline and leadership. This is an online community, and you are welcome to it. Parenting is a project, and you are the architect of this one. You plan, you design, and oversee the construction of the beginning of someone else's life and that's what goes into these first 6570 days and it will be the foundation for the rest of their lives so come join the club you can find your invitation on the front page of my website nellyharden.com that is n-e-l-l-i-e-h-a-r-d-e-n.com thank you again for being a part of this conversation today and if something really resonated with you or if you have a question please don't hesitate to connect with me. You can find me on Instagram at Nellie Harden. And lastly, if you loved the information, please, please leave a five-star review and a comment so more and more families can be impacted by harnessing the strength of these ideas and tools in their own families. So thank you so much. Happy building, you guys, and I'll see you next week.